Ethically Sourced, a supplement to the Black Doctors podcast. I'm Dr. Stephen Bradley, your host. In this episode, I'm going to go through two articles that I think are incredibly relevant with regards to the COVID-19 pandemic, where we stand with the state of vaccinations. This first article was written by an Ira Mimaj, MPH. He's a public health educator and researcher. Dr. Joshua Anthony is a psychiatry resident, and Dr. Robert Bullilove is a professor of social medical sciences. This article appeared on webpage today's kevinmd.com, which is uh, social media's leading physician voice, as it were. The article is entitled, High COVID-19 Vaccination Rates Do Not Equate to Equity in Communities of Color. The 500,000 COVID-19-related deaths reflect on our nation's failure to reduce and prevent public health crises. As COVID-19 rampaged across the globe, several research teams raced to develop a vaccine, a technology that humanity has relied on for decades to reduce the transmission of infectious diseases. At the time of this writing, 15.8% of the total U.S. population are fully vaccinated. That includes the Pfizer, BioNTech, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson vaccines. Despite the Biden administration identifying vaccine equity as a priority, each U.S. state varies in prioritizing equity in their vaccine guidelines. Furthermore, each state has a different definition of who constitutes a frontline worker. Creating guidelines with strict criteria complicates the process of vaccine rollout and is counterintuitive to equity prioritization. As health professionals who worked on the front lines during the peak of the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic, we witnessed longstanding pathologies of power play a significant role in testing, hospitalization, and death rates related to COVID-19 complications. The disease burden of this pandemic has disproportionately affected communities of color. According to the CDC, Black people who tested positive for COVID-19 are three times more likely to be hospitalized than their white counterparts. Moreover, Black, Hispanic, and Indigenous people are twice as likely to die from coronavirus-related complications when compared to white people. These statistics are not reflections of biological factors particular to a specific race or ethnic group. Instead, they are manifestations of countless years of oppressive and racist policies that have made communities of color vulnerable, socially, economically, and politically. The reproduction of these same policies within vaccine planning and rollouts may serve as an explanation to the stark disparities among COVID-19 vaccine distribution. Although vaccination rates have increased across the U.S. due to several states opening up more vaccination sites and relaxing their eligibility criteria, vaccination rates among communities of color remain low. As of March 30, 2021, 96 million people had at least one dose of the vaccine administered. Among this group, 65.9% were non-Hispanic whites, 8.2% were black, 9.3% were Hispanic, 4.9% were Asian, and 1.4% were indigenous people. In cities like Detroit, where the black population reached almost 80%, about 14% of black Detroit residents have received a vaccine against COVID-19. In the District of Columbia, black people have received 31% of the COVID-19 vaccine, despite comprising 46% of the total population and 76% of coronavirus-related deaths. There are multiple factors behind these trends, including vaccine hesitancy and obstacles to vaccine access. While convenient for major media outlets and public health officials to focus on vaccine hesitancy, especially within the Black community, as the primary cause for low vaccination rates among communities of color, it is imperative to understand the role of systemic racism. The medical and scientific community has a long-standing history of experimentation and exploitation of Black people, from the Tuskegee syphilis case 
the immortal sales of Henrietta Lacks, the non-consented XYY genotype screenings in the 1970s, the alarming rates of Black maternal and infant mortality, to the continuation of health professionals ignoring the health concerns of the Black community. Although hesitancy does play a role in low vaccination rates, our focus should expand to the root causes behind them. For example, laws and policies such as redlining, gerrymandering, voter suppression, poorly funded education, employment discrimination, and mass incarceration, to name a few, have collectively contributed to health disparities among communities of color. Black and Hispanic people have a shorter life expectancy than their white counterparts, placing them at a higher risk of dying before they reach their state's COVID-19 vaccine eligibility criteria. At the peak of the pandemic, Black and Hispanic people were shown to constitute the majority of the essential workers for some of the lowest paying industry sectors. However, Black and Hispanic people in the U.S. are less likely to have a flexible work schedule to occupy any open spots in vaccine distribution. Moreover, Black and Hispanic people are less likely to have a reliable transportation source to arrive at their vaccination site and are also less likely to have internet access to receive vaccine education and make online vaccination appointments. It is evident that the laws that have shaped and continue to shape the ecology of these communities also form the very foundation for the social determinants of health. Prioritizing equity in vaccine rollouts means identifying and understanding the nuances of structural racism in the formation of new policies and policies that already exist. States must relax their criteria on vaccine eligibility and open community clinics in neighborhoods that were hit the hardest during the pandemic. As temperature storage becomes less of a concern with newer vaccines like Johnson & Johnson, the creation of mobile vaccination sites and vehicles may provide a new opportunity to meet community members where they are. Community-based organizations are the backbone of communities. Thus, allowing them to lead vaccine distribution is essential in this effort. For example, in Detroit, the Detroit Association of Black Organizations, spearheaded by Reverend Horace Sheffield, has partnered with Quest Diagnostics and other sponsors to educate Detroit residents on the COVID-19 vaccine and prioritize them in the administration of the vaccine. Health professionals, public health officials, and lawmakers must learn from the failures highlighted by the pandemic. It is our responsibility to rewrite equity and construct new tools that reach out to the most vulnerable and ensure their holistic well-being. Again, this article was entitled, High COVID-19 Vaccination Rates Do Not Equate to Equity in Communities of Color. And it was written by Ira Memage, a public health educator and researcher, Dr. Joshua Anthony, a psychiatry resident, and Dr. Robert Fullilove, a professor of sociomedical sciences. I think this paper did a really good job of summing up the different issues that have been at play this entire pandemic, or more on a broader scale, the issues that have been wrapped up in the healthcare system uh, in, in America as a whole. There's been several articles that bring to light these issues of health equity and discrimination and multiple levels of the healthcare system and how they disproportionately affect people of color. And, you know, these articles need to keep coming out until people start to take heed and we start to make vast and drastic changes in the way we deliver healthcare in this country. We have to identify the cause in order to treat the disease. So hats off to these folks for this incredible article. Next, I'm going to shift from a local or a national stage to a global stage. The Hastings Center is world-renowned, and they have incredible articles on medical ethics, bioethics. This article is entitled, Instead of vaccine passports, let's push for global justice and vaccine access. This was a very good article because it 
really comes into play and talks about how what are we really doing with vaccine passports? Should we be for them, against them? Are they helping, hurting? Where do they fall in the spectrum of, of bioethics? This article was written by Gabriela Arguedas Ramirez, an associate professor in the School of Phys- Philosophy at the University of Costa Rica. While COVID-19 vaccine passports raise many ethical and scientific questions, those in favor of them make the following argument. Vaccine passports are not a new idea. Some are required for traveling to countries where tropical infectious diseases are endemic, and vaccine passports or certificates for COVID-19 will help speed the return to business as usual into a normal life. What is normal life? For whom? The progression of the COVID-19 pandemic hasn't been determined only by the nature of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, but also by the social, environmental, economic, and political conditions of our era, which are the legacy of and continue to be embedded in colonialist, and imperialist economic power relations. Like so much else about the pandemic, vaccine certificates would underscore global inequities. Disadvantages and harms would not be limited to international travel. They might also extend to employment, returning to school, and accessing a range of services. The advantages would go mainly to wealthy countries, primarily in the global north, and to individuals in other countries who are able to get vaccinated. The disadvantages would be felt mainly by people in low- and middle-income countries primarily in the global south where vaccines are scarce or unavailable and by people in wealthy countries who, for various reasons, have difficulty accessing vaccines. Not everyone who lives in the global north can easily get vaccinated if they want to. Many undocumented immigrants in the U.S. and Europe avoid vaccination because they believe they might be at risk of deportation if they become visible to the government. To critically analyze vaccine certificates from a global health justice perspective, it is indispensable to have this background in mind. The pressure to go back to business as usual is at odds with the often repeated slogan, Build Back Better. While the idea of implementing vaccine certificates is gaining support in many wealthy countries, millions of people around the world don't have access to healthcare, financial support for keeping quarantine or isolation, oxygen, medicines, and hospital beds. Though the vaccination rate is increasing rapidly in the U.S. and many European countries, for millions in the global south, the probability of getting vaccinated this year is almost zero. In many countries in the global south, including India, Brazil, Peru, and Mexico, COVID infections and fatalities are skyrocketing. With global inequities in vaccine access, why would a bioethicist or health professional consider vaccine certificates ethical? COVID-19 vaccine production and distribution have been devastatingly unfair. To quote the World Health Organization director, it is a catastrophic moral failure. In Costa Rica, where I live, only 24% of the population has received at least one vaccine dose, not because we lack the healthcare infrastructure to make vaccines available for every person in the country, but because we have received very small amounts of the vaccine, despite the negotiation efforts made by the government during the last several months. The National Vaccination and Epidemiology Committee decided to use the vaccines developed by Pfizer-BioNTech through direct contract and AstraZeneca through COVAX. But it is considering the Sinopharm vaccine now that the World Health Organization has listed it for emergency use. However, many Costa Ricans who have passports and U.S. visas are considering traveling to the U.S. to get vaccinated instead of waiting their turn here where the number of cases and the mortality rate are rapidly increasing. Vaccine tourism is another example of how inequality and injustice are determining the course of this pandemic. The Costa Rican government debt crisis has worsened due to this pandemic and the economic crisis is so acute that for many people, risking contagion is not the worst-case scenario. 
but those who have at least the capacity to pay for an air ticket with a credit card, who have a passport and a valid visa, might feel forced to go to the U.S. to access what should be available to every person in the world, regardless of their economic or social status. Even the Costa Rican president suggested that every person who can travel to the U.S. to get the jab should do it. Vaccine terrorism, then, seems to be another promising business opportunity for the powerful countries that have accumulated vaccines instead of redistributing them soon and fairly. Given this state of affairs, I think that the decolonized ethical position is to reject COVID-19 vaccine certificates and, most importantly, to put all efforts, political, intellectual, and social, to the task of scaling up global vaccine production as soon as possible and allocating vaccines globally. The underlying principle should be interdependence and taking into account the duty of reparation of structural injustices. Again, this article was entitled, Instead of Vaccine Passports, Let's Push for Global Justice in Vaccine Access, and it was written by Dr. Gabriela Arguedas Ramirez, an associate professor in the School of Philosophy at the University of Costa Rica. I think this article provides a fantastic overview, a global perspective of what other developing countries are experiencing from this pandemic. We saw how bad the pandemic was in the States. We saw how disproportionately populations in the United States were affected. If you multiply that on a broader scale, a global scale, you see that the exact same things are happening and it's and it's being born along socioeconomic lines but on a much, much, much larger scale. Definitely puts things into perspective and, and the significance of vaccine passports so that we can resume a normal life versus the provision of vaccines so that people can survive and not succumb to this pandemic. What do you think of today's articles that we covered? What do you think of the episode? Please leave us a review on Apple iTunes that helps the show to grow and, and be exposed to more people. Leave a rating if you, if you wish. Um, Steven, your host, I am on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Stephen Bradley MD. Feel free to follow me there and definitely um, visit my website, www.stephenbradleymd.com, where I have a lot more resources, including a new lecture as part of the Daily Struggle Lecture Series, where I talk about and break down imposter syndrome and give you tips to, to succeed and to beat this uh, syndrome that is too often and too prevalent in a lot of minority professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, tune in Monday. We're going to kick off a new season of the Black Doctors Podcast as we enter this, our second year on the airwaves. Thank you so much for your support. Go forth and practice ethically. <laughs>